0: Somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop, and thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving, one and all. I am the host, Mike. Uh, My wife, Jenny, our co-host, my co-host, usually with us, but uh, it's kind of a hectic weekend here at our household because we're just days away from Turkey Day. And, uh, you know, when any holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas comes around, even the most mundane routine task becomes a chore. I wouldn't say the podcast is a chore or mundane, but the thing is, is like, you have to do extra things like, uh, you know, work harder at work, especially since she's on the the front line of retail. Plus, you know, I had to get the uh, Christmas lights and the Christmas tree up yesterday. I wasn't going to do this on a stomach full of turkey. And I want the kids to get excited about the holidays, obviously, and uh, all that other fun stuff. But uh, she will be back for the next podcast. I'm, I'm cutting this early on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, rather, by myself. She's at work currently. The kids are over at Grandma's. And the plan is to kind of de-stress later on, take her out for a quick bite to eat. No, not at Applebee's. So uh, that's what's happening. And uh, she will be back in studio next week. Uh yeah, we're gonna, we're, we'll still cut a podcast, I think, Thanksgiving weekend, Saturday afternoon. Uh, once things kind of settle down a little bit, I, I, I want to term it Review Week. Because I do want to get her thoughts about the Thanksgiving holiday itself. And plus, there's going to be some really cool things to review as well. Um, she wants to take our daughter, our oldest daughter, Lana, to go see the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. Uh, we'll see if it uh, lives up to the original Ghostbusters, if it carries on that uh, that storyline any. Um, I, I know that she went and saw the all-female one a few years back, and she said she didn't care for it, which is weird because, you know, she has a vagina, and she's supposed to like that, right? Kind of get her thoughts on that. Uh, also, because uh, I am a big Marvel nerd, I'm one of, uh, I think the first episode of Hawkeye drops Wednesday, and if I get home from work early enough, I want to watch that, enjoy that, and then uh, start prepping the bird for the big day, Thanksgiving. And then uh, I, I don't know how I'm really going to do this here, um, but I think Thanksgiving night and each each night after uh, the Beatles documentary that uh, Peter Jackson's putting together for Get Back, uh, that's going to drop on Disney Plus. An episode per night, I think it's a three-parter, It still just amazes me, that band. Uh, Because in the short time that they were in the limelight, I think when uh, they hit Ed Sullivan back in, what, February of 64, up until their breakup in uh, 1970, they were only in in the limelight for like six years. But the amount of material, the amount of music that they put out, how different it sounded from the beginning to end, uh, all the cool tracks, all the ones that sucked, you know, number nine, number nine, number nine, they just put out just a tremendous output of music, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And it always drives me nuts when uh, somebody kind of scoffs at the Beatles and go, Oh, yeah, the, the, the boy band, right? No, 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 no. They weren't a boy band. I mean, they, they were definitely a pop rock band that got into some weirder things later on. But, I mean, John Lennon, Paul McCartney were very able songwriters. George Harrison very underrated as a guitar player and songwriter and I think I think Ringo gets dinged a lot because well first of all his name is Ringo and you know the stuff he did after the Beatles but I mean uh, between the two of them that are alive today Paul and Ringo uh, I would I would rather have a cup of coffee with Ringo than Paul <laughs> because he just seems a little more approachable uh, I wouldn't say have a beer with Ringo because he did get over alcohol it was it was kind of a problem for him back in the day. Uh, but I've never heard him say anything negative about anybody. So yeah, uh, looking forward to that docu series. But yeah, don't refer to the Beatles as a boy band, and please, for the love of God, quit dogging on the Rolling Stones. All right, I got I got mad uh, love for them. If if you were to ask me uh, between the two of them, Beatles or Rolling Stones, which ones uh, which band I prefer more? I'm more of a Stones guy. But as of lately. And I don't know what the hell has triggered this, especially among other musicians. They've been dogging that band. Like, Paul McCartney said, I think this might have been on Howard Stern, he he referred to the Stones as a blues cover band. And that's he goes, oh, that's fine, but you know, they're a blues cover band. And I find that kind of weird because... Uh, you know, uh, Keith Richards was a good friend of John Lennon's, and uh, Keith Richards did hang out with Paul McCartney uh, a few years back on vacation. So so to say that about, you know, contemporaries, that's kind of kind of messed up. And then uh, Roger Daltrey of The Who, and of course I love The Who as well. I mean, you know, Quadrophenia, Tommy, Who's Next, which is a great rock album, by the way. Uh, Roger Daltrey said, yeah, Mick Jagger's a great frontman, but if you were standing out at a pub and the Stones were playing there, you'd say they were a mediocre pub band wow that's just cold now for a little history and again i, I read the book uh, that keith richards uh, life by keith richards this past summer finally got around to doing that the stones did start out as a blues cover band no doubt i mean that that's all they were really interested in was like you know blues a little bit of jazz and american rock and roll that's all they were interested in covering they wanted to be good at it but they didn't have a, an interest in making original material until their label's like, you know what, you guys should write songs. And, of course, Mick and Keith looked at each other and go, uh, okay. Uh, so they <laughs> never did that, and they were actually writing songs for other uh, artists before they really started writing things for themselves, like Satisfaction, Paint It Black, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Uh, the one song that they wrote that was a big hit, I think, in the England, the UK, that they eventually would do and be considered a cover, even though they wrote it, which is kind of odd tears go by i think marion hat uh not marion hatfield marion faithful uh she made that a big hit in the uk they wrote that for her and you know that's not a bad song it's a little sad it's kind of like um i would say that's more their eleanor rigby type of thing but the stones started you know trying their hand at songwriting and they were very good at it. so you can't really call them a cover band anymore if anything the stones evolved that they they kept that blues country thing that they were into, the jazz thing, the, the American rock and roll thing in, but they started writing their own stuff. So I find it really weird when other musicians, their contemporaries, are kind of like dogging on them a little bit because they've had just as much influence, if not more so, than their contemporaries. And as much as I love The Who, I would say that the Stones have had a more successful run than The Who. You know, and it's it, and again this year too, especially since they just lost Charlie Watt. Where the hell is all this crap coming from? I don't get it. Uh, a couple other things I don't get. Uh, the Dave Chappelle hate fest keeps on going on, and to me, it's it's really stupid, especially when you hear about this latest controversy. I, I saw this uh, was it Barstool Sports. Uh, Dave Chappelle recently. Uh, wanted to give money to his uh, former high school, I think Duke Ellington School of Arts out around Washington D.C. Uh, as a donation, because he's a successful alumni, and uh, you know I guess that's what you do when you're rich and famous. You give money back to schools, and uh, they they were going to use it to build a theater. Well, the 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 fundraiser they was going to host has now been moved up to uh, the spring, because it's supposed to be I think uh, here in December. No, actually it's supposed to be this week. It was supposed to be Tuesday but students walked out in protest because of the closure and the things he said about, you know, feminism and uh, the gay community and the trans community and all this stuff. They're walking out saying, we don't want his money. So they're going to punish Dave Chappelle by telling him to keep his money. Oh, my God. All right, now, I want to play devil's advocate here and see if you agree with me here. Because if you saw the closure... You know where he stands on certain things, and you also know that he came to the defense of Daphne, the transgender comedian who defended him and unfortunately took her own life, right? And he said, look, I'm going to stop telling these jokes, and hopefully one day we can learn to laugh again. And the thing is, (laughs) the side that's pissed off at him still doesn't want to laugh. But look, I want to say this is a peace offering on Dave's part. Think about it. He's giving money to build a theater, which, you know, the arts, there's a good chunk of gay students that take advantage of that. that, That's their thing. You don't think he's doing that to benefit them a little bit here? I mean, they can still take the money, build a theater, and still think all they want about Dave Chappelle and on their own terms, but it's an opportunity for them to have a place to create this art, right? I don't get the protest. I really don't. It's like you say, hey, hey, here, here you guys go. I'm good. You guys do what you want. Fine. End of story. But they just want to make this a big to-do. And I think he's over it. You know, he said what he said and he's moving on. Nobody else wants to move on with this thing. And by the way, on the off chance, one day if I become rich and famous, you know, I say this as a 41-year-old man that knows the odds about this. I probably wouldn't give any money to my former high school or uh, university for that matter because they're publicly funded. And if you know anything about schools, they always misuse funds. <laughs> anything that's publicly funded will misuse money. And yes, I know there are private enterprises that misuse money. Ask me how I know. Uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I'd give money to a charity someplace else and hopefully. Hopefully, knock on wood, they wouldn't misuse that money. Now, another uh, bashing that's going on that I honestly do not friggin' get, and I'm not going to get, okay, is uh the, the superhero bashing. The superhero movie bashing. I mean, I get it. Superhero flicks are not everyone's cup of tea. Everybody's got a thing they love. I think my dad's big uh, genre that he loves is the western. He's a big fan of John Wayne, John Ford, and all that stuff. My mom likes romantic comedies. I I just like movies that don't suck. If you can tell a great story, it doesn't matter what the genre is, I will sit and watch it. Well, you know, Martin Scorsese, when he put out the 3-Day-Long Irishman a couple years ago on Netflix... He said he just said some stuff about Marvel movies. And then that resulted in, uh, was it, Francis Ford Coppola saying stuff, bashing the superhero movie. Now it's Ridley Scott doing it. And he says they're just effing stupid. And he's saying this as uh, he's putting... First of all, he said that he put out original superhero movies like Alien with the... Ripley Sigourney Weaver, and to his credit, that's a great movie. Ridley Scott's put out some great movies. Sigourney Weaver's awesome in that movie, and yeah, she she has to face incredible odds, this big ugly-looking monster. Um, but he's doing this, bashing the superhero movie while promoting a movie that he put out. He's putting out called *House of Gucci* with uh, Lady Gaga. I think Jared Leto's in it. I think uh, who else? Al Pacino. It, it's got a great cast. But he feels that the superhero movie is not really a relatable experience. He's out there putting together a movie about this fashionista family that puts out products that you and me, we, we, we cannot afford. Not that I want anything Gucci, mind you. But it just seems like a really overdone soap opera. And the thing I'm thinking is, how does bashing the superhero movie make your movie any better? What's it nothing. If anything, you're just you're just kinda of chasing away a potential clientele that might actually like the superhero movie. And let me put it to you this way. I first found out about House of Gucci as a trailer while my wife and I a couple weeks back were watching The Eternals. So you're bashing something that had a trailer for the movie that you want people to go and see which uh, looks like obvious Oscar bait, uh, but it probably won't get nominated for anything. I mean, the I, not that I'm looking forward to seeing this movie, and I, and I don't want to dog Lady Gaga too much here, but from what I understand, uh, one critic says, yeah, her Italian accent sounds more Russian than anything. And she is of Italian descent, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so there, there we go. got yeah, more filmmakers bashing uh, the superhero flick. And by the way, I, I want to have my wife watch this video for next week's podcast. if Honey, if you're listening, this is going to be your homework assignment. Uh, a friend of mine, fraternity brother of mine, uh, recently shared on his Facebook page. What is this? The drunken critic? The uh, the drunk film critic or something? I, I don't know, but this, uh, this drunk Scottish man that's got a penchant for saying F-bombs uh, it pretty much breaks down why the modern movie sucks. And he's got some very interesting points because he compares um, uh, the original Star Trek movies and the next generation to... Recent adaptations of the Star Trek movies and it just people don't know how to be grown up in them and you know talk more about this uh, hopefully next week with my wife as I said next week is gonna be review week because it's gonna be kind of a holiday week and hopefully nothing too heavy happens speaking of the holidays here um, as I mentioned last podcast triple-a projecting 53 million Americans are hitting the road, hitting the airports this holiday season to be with loved ones. It's an uptick from last year because, as you know, if, if you gathered with your family for Thanksgiving, you died. And my condolences to you for dying. Um, but things are a little better now. But with the, uh, the onset of holiday travel comes Doom. And, of course, I saw the very first link to Doom... This past week, it was a couple days back. And what I mean by doom is the Thanksgiving travel storm again that always happens. Apparently it's back, this time in doom form. Because uh, you always get those stories about, oh yeah, this uh, this area of the uh, country is going to be impacted by bad weather. Coming up Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, you've know, we got millions and millions of people affected by this. And uh, they're going to miss Thanksgiving, they're going to sleep at the airport until Sunday, and they're going to be eating cranberry sauce out of a can in the men's room. That's how that usually happens. Of course, days go by and it looks like we're just gonna have a little rain and a little wind, and that's about it here in northeast Indiana. I don't know if that's true everywhere else, but that's that's kind of the thing. Like every time a big time holiday like this happens, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, you start to get those holiday travel disaster nightmares. Millions stranded in Chicago or Kansas City and they're not gonna go home. What are they gonna do? I got to be honest, man, I mean, I've rarely flown, rarely flown an airplane, it's been a while since I've done that, but uh, I grew up in Indy, and we had family down in Cincinnati, so we were connected by 74, and yeah, we spent like two hours in the car there, two hours in the car back, and that was about it, and uh, we would travel like Thanksgiving morning and evening. Very rarely was there heavy traffic, man. We, it was like you, you got there quickly, you got home quickly. About as quickly as you can from Indy to Cincy and all that. Never had the snarled in traffic videos. Because we live in the Midwest. Unless you live around Chicago, traffic is not a problem. It, re- it never is. I mean, they'll show the Tuesday evening people trying to get out of Los Angeles red and white ribbons down the interstate. You know, you got the taillights just not going anywhere. The headlights just not going anywhere. It looks like a big friggin' ribbon, miles long. But that's just in L.A. We don't live in L.A. And usually it's like the Weather Channel or something that shows it. And speaking of the Weather Channel, one thing that kind of bothers me, okay, there's several things that bother me about the Weather Channel, but... One thing in particular is they think Thanksgiving travel starts the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Now, I can understand, okay, you take Wednesday off or you leave work early Wednesday and you take the whole weekend off. But who are these people that have enough money or time or clout that could take a whole week off for Thanksgiving? I think it's more plausible toward Christmas because, you know, nobody does anything toward the end of the year anyway. But I don't know anybody that has ever taken a whole week off for Thanksgiving. Not even my dad who would stockpile days off. <laughs> but then again, I don't think he was really all that crazy about spending time with family to begin with. You you would have to know the guy. But uh, yeah, there's travel, doom and gloom, unless of course you're somebody that lives in the real world and you know how to handle these sort of things. Now, do you know how to handle your HOA? Yeah, those things. Uh, kind of a necessary evil in some places, I mean, I really didn't know much about the concept of the HOA until recently when we moved into our neighborhood, because, uh, the neighborhood I lived in growing up, uh, it was just a bunch of houses with vinyl siding, and, you know, they all became rentals or boarded up, you know, that's, uh, that kind of gives you an idea of the neighborhood I grew up in, um, our HOA's alright, they don't seem like they're run by a bunch of uh, fascist Karens, which is cool. I mean, we got there, there are some little rules, but it's nothing that would deter us from doing something as simple as putting up Christmas lights a week before Thanksgiving, which seems kind of reasonable to me. You know, I don't have a problem with my neighbors as long as they're not running a meth house, a crack house, they're not blurring music 2am on a Tuesday, and there's not an El Camino up on cinder blocks in their front yard. You know they pay their taxes everything's cool I got no problems how do Christmas lights though devalue your home now I'm not talking about me I'm talking about down in Florida um, and I got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page uh, where this family is facing a bunch of fines because the week after Halloween on, I think it was November 5th they hired a company to put up Christmas lights for them right which in itself is a little strange because i would never heard of that concept of somebody else putting up your christmas lights unless of course you're getting your punk ass kids off the couch to do it or maybe a, a gracious neighbor but hiring somebody that so they hired somebody to do this so they wouldn't have to worry about it now the hoa is wanting to find them because you're only allowed to put up christmas lights thanksgiving day yeah, I know. I'm not I'm not really into celebrating Christmas early type of thing, but when you get to around Thanksgiving, I think it's all right for you to start putting up stuff, but I don't need the HOA to tell me when to put up Christmas lights. In fact, if you live in a place like Indiana where one weekend in November it could be 60 and the next weekend it could be 30, you're you're probably going to opt for the weekend where it's 60. Or like with me yesterday, I opted for the weekend that was 40. And if you put up the Christmas lights, you don't necessarily have to turn them on until Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving Day, who the hell is going to be decorating Thanksgiving weekend? To me, that should be a weekend of relaxation, enjoying, being thankful for things. And I don't understand this uh, this thing about uh, having Christmas lights too early up. I mean, it's not like, oh, hey, their Christmas lights are still up in April, uh, and their newspapers are piling up on the front porch. Uh, do you think they're still alive? No, this is a bunch of Karens getting nitpicky about things. And I get it. You know, some neighbors don't celebrate Christmas. That's not their thing. Some people are atheists. Some people are Jewish. But somebody having their Christmas lights up doesn't make anybody less atheist or Jewish. And I wouldn't lose my crap if uh, if I had a Jewish neighbor that put up a menorah a few weeks early. Just, there's there's reasons why people do things. I'm sure there's a perfectly good reason why they hire somebody to put up their Christmas lights. I don't know what that is. But it's their house, it's their money, and as long as they're not doing anything illegal, why the hell does anybody care? But HOAs do this sort of thing, and that's and I think there needs to be a more libertarian uh, <laughs> movement among these things and boot all the Karens out. I mean, the HOA should have. If you're going to have an HOA, have as few rules as possible. Because look at uh, look at city governments, look at state governments, look at the federal government, and tell me. Tell me how more rules have made things better. It makes people less likely to like you having uh, being a neighbor. Is what I'm getting at there. So, just a few of the rants and uh, things that I had going on this Thanksgiving or going into Thanksgiving weekend here, and it's a little shorter this week because well I don't have my wife to banter with and somebody to talk me off the ledge when I do do these sort of rants. So, uh, hopefully next week she's back in studio. And we're talking about uh, things to be thankful for and uh, reviewing certain things like the holidays and some uh, media type of things in that video I alluded to. And also, also, if you get time this week, because I know you're busy, you know, getting ready for Thanksgiving and all that sort of thing. Or maybe you're getting ready for Christmas. Uh, Maybe you're plotting out Black Friday. You're one of those uh, weird people that uh, don't use Amazon. (laughs) I told my boss that the other day. I said, "Yeah, I didn't use Amazon till, for the first time until this past year," and she thought I was like Amish. Yeah, and she kept giving me crap about it for uh, like the last couple the couple days after I told her this. Um, but if if you get a time a chance, I want you to uh, share with us what you're truly thankful for, and maybe I'll put that out on the the podcast next week. You know, who knows? I mean, you can talk about it, and You'd be thankful for God, family, country. You could be thankful for. Uh, snow tires you'd be thankful for a condom that didn't break I don't know I'm not you but uh, I look forward to seeing those and of course I do want to wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving and a great kickoff to the uh, holiday season you know Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Kwanzaa Happy Boxing Day, Happy Hanukkah Happy uh, Feast of Maximum Occupancy whatever the hell you celebrate I I don't want to leave anybody out so until next week for review week, happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com/backslashMDavidsonLive. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.